right, hello and welcome to the recap show for UFC Vegas 30. Just wrapped up a few moments ago. I'm going to give you the full card recap, betting implications, results, where we, where we were at pre-fight, where we were right, where we were wrong. I'm going to start with the prelims, though, and then work my way up through to the final card, which is a little bit different from the past. But anyway, we'll start off here with the first fight of the night. That was Yancy Medeiros versus Demir Hadzavik. This was a good fight. Um, one of the best opening fights that you can have for a prelim. I mean, very competitive. Both guys went at it. Uh, Demir wins the fight. Uh, I thought he won the fight. That was my opinion. Now, I was on Yanti Medeiros. Uh, I, I, I used the whole philosophy of it's a pick em, it's close. Might as well choose the dog. Might as well go with the value. Didn't work out this time. But Yanti fought a good fight. It came down to Demir had the clear, harder, clear, harder shots. Like, at some point, had Yancey hurt. Yancey was backing up. Yancey was trying to regroup. Uh, got cut. You know, Yancey had a cut early on. I think round one, round two had a cut. Um, Demir had some position control. Did get a takedown. Round three got real hairy. And I'm like cheering on Yancey. I'm like, come on, man. He had, um, he just didn't have the gas tank to get the submission because he had Demir. He had back control. He probably won round three on all the judges' scorecards. Yancey, that is. Even though round three starts off with Demir like clocking Yancey. So on the feet, Demir has the advantage. But on the ground in round three, Yancey had position control. If you were rooting for Yancey, that was the moment. Um, I was watching the fight. <laughs> if you can imagine this. Check this out. I'm watching the fight, and I don't have the volume on. And when the referee comes over, and the fight is over. But I'm watching it with no volume. And I'm not looking at the clock. When the referee comes over and like taps them... And then comes over and he actually taps the stomach of Yancey. And I thought it was like, congratulations, like you won. Like the guy tapped out. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I realized, oh, shit, the fight just ended. Oh, my God. That's too much of too much of that. Anyway, um, long and short is a nice win there for for uh, Demir Hadzavik. Uh There was a moment there where you you know, his, his cardio was questionable round three. Definitely was willing to trade. We'll see where they go from here. I feel bad for Yancey. This is four losses in a row. So kind of sucks you know um anyway we were on yancey so we got that wrong all right let's move on up the card here to charles rosa and justin james oh my gosh let me tell you whatever people were saying about justin james in terms of like that he was you know not a good fighter not ufc material i heard that from a lot of people i don't think i echoed that if i did say that in the pre-fight prediction show my apologies dude fought a good fight like in the first half of the first round there's no one out there who's who's going to disagree with this statement. Justin James is winning, and he's got the momentum. And if you were on Charles Rosa, and if you had bets on Charles Rosa, or you had huge bets on Charles Rosa, you're shitting yourself at that point in the first half of the first round. Justin James comes out, does well, lands the bigger strikes. You know, Rosa, it's not like he takes punches poorly. It's like his head knocks back. I don't know. It just looks worse on him than other guys. You know what I mean? So round one is really kind of close. And I saw some Twitter people out there, even during the broadcast, they posted some of the information. It looked like a few people thought that Justin James won round one. I thought Rosa won round one. He, you know, I, I thought that he did enough towards the end. He's the one who started pushing the pace. It was like Justin got a little tired. And so I thought he kind of won the round, but it was whatever. That's negligible because I thought Rosa won the fight, meaning he won round two and round three. So even if he lost round one. Round two, uh, Charles Rosa gets a takedown, gets tons of position time on the ground. He's in control. He's able to go ahead and just, you know, get some strikes, just pretty much manage the round nice and easy. Uh, he does get a cut, unfortunately, from a headbutt. 
And so that cut is like right above his eyebrow on the inside area. So it's not like it's on the outside here where it's going to drip outside. This mother is coming right down the middle of his face. And when he comes out of the corner after round two, that thing is just, it's leaking. Um, I was worried. I'm like, oh no, here we go. Like a, some kind of like a no contest or whatever nonsense. But Rosa comes out, manages the, the cut the rest of the fight. And in round three, um, you know, Justin comes out, definitely clocks Rosa a few times. I mean, he has Rosa hurt. If you watch round three, well, let me tell you this. Let me transcribe it. If you didn't watch round three, Justin James had Rosa hurt. He had Rosa on his heels. Rosa was looking questionable at best. It, you know, it just wasn't a good look for him. And I thought, oh, my gosh, here it comes. Like, here's the guy that bet on himself. Have you all heard about that this week? He bet on himself. Supposedly, he bet 25K, all of his purse. It's just like, oh, no. I, we we all we're all out there questioning like maybe he didn't bet twenty five k maybe like two thousand five hundred. I hope he did bet two thousand five hundred on himself, because shit man you're gonna lose your entire purse anyway. There is a silver lining in this. He did fight really well, <laughs> so there is there is some value. Like even though he lost in terms of his money if he bet it, and also he lost the fight, he possibly gets a plus in the long term because people were saying this guy sucks. Whatever, one more loss he's out of the UFC. I think he did enough here to keep his his ass around, give me a few more fights. So that's how that fight went. If you were on Rosa, who was a minus 177, looking now after the fight, that was probably exactly where he should have been, right? Because this thing got hairy. It went both ways. And uh, I, could have, I could see a world where Justin James would have won this fight. If you were on Justin James, and some people were, Hey, man, that was close. That was not a bad pick. You were right there. There was some moments where he was right there ready to win the fight. So, all right, let's move on up to the next fight in the prelims. That's Julia Avila versus Julija Storilenko. I'll make this short and sweet. Julia Avila gets the win. She gets it by submission in the third round. If you're looking at just the result of the fight, you're going to think, oh, Julia Avila, you know, she's got she's got a dominant win. You know, she's taking care of business. She's, you know, she was minus 300-something favorite, you know, the whole deal. And, you know, she cleaned up, cleaned up, right? No big deal. No, Storylenko gave her all she could handle. And I'm, at no point was Avila hurt. I'm not saying that. But Avila was trading with Storylenko. And Storylenko was like, hey, man, I got this for you. I'm going to trade with you. Now, did Storylenko get the get the bad end of the stick? Absolutely. Storylenko definitely got the worst of the damage. You could see it on her face. Her nose was leaking. Um, she got kicked in the face twice during an exchange. Um, man, she's got a chin. I, I like Storylenko. And I did choose her as a dogger pass. And, um, and I don't regret it because if you didn't watch the fight, up until the point where the submission happens, which... Of course, that did happen. I mean, the fight, I don't want to say it was close. Avila clearly won every round. She won the better striking moments in the round. Um, on the ground, she was more effective with throwing, with, with actually throwing elbows and stuff. Maybe Julie, Julia Storlinko should have gone to the ground earlier because she, she, she is effective. Like, she had some moments there. You know, she's, she's not bad. That's where she put it this way. Her and Avila were just about equal on the ground. But on the feet, it was not equal. Avila was cracking her with the harder punches, and that's why Storylenko was bleeding. If Storylenko would have changed her game plan to looking for a takedown earlier, and she didn't. Like, she was willing to fight and box, and I give her a lot of credit because she she handled herself. She was she was much better than everyone thought. She was a big dog here, like plus 240 or plus 250, something like that. And she did a good job. We had her as a dogger pass. I don't regret it. 
the fight at some points was looking like, hey, it's much closer than we expected. But overall, for Julia Avila, I'm taking away two big things from this fight. And I want to make sure I highlight these two things here. One, she has her own gym now, so she's pretty much her own boss, her own head coach, the whole deal. Okay, she gets the win. Big favorite. But careful, 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 because I can see some holes in her game. She was willing to trade, number one, which always can be a problem at some point. You know, every heavy hitter has a day type of thing, right? Second thing is you saw on the ground that Storylenko, who's pretty much an average okay fighter, she was able to get some position control on Avila. She was able to get some transitions, and she was able to sneak around and, and look for some submissions. I'm thinking a more athletic ground type of opponent who's not getting cracked in the face and who wants to go right to the ground game early on could be that would be the kryptonite for Avila. So, yeah, I think that and the whole fact that she doesn't really have a head coach and she owns her own gym, these are two big issues that will be moving forward. We'll see how that, that pans out. So that's how we have those three fights to open up the prelims. Let's move on to the next one. All right, next fight in the prelims was Marcin Prachnia versus Ike Villanueva. And Prachnia was a minus 215 favorite coming in here with Villanueva being a plus 170 dog. At least it was around there when the fight closed right before it actually kicked off. I'm super impressed with what I saw from Prachnia because... He was hurt a little bit in round one. He got cut. Uh, it looked like the fight was leaning towards Ike um, Villanueva for pretty much the bulk of round one. But then Marcin lands a few really hard lower leg kicks on Ike. And you can clearly see Ike Villanueva is limping on the front leg, not comfortable, um, you know, just can't really quite, you know, stand properly with it. And Marcin recovers. Like whatever he happened in the first round, whatever Villanueva threw at him, he recovers, right? They go to the corner round. Round two starts. It, round one could have gone either way. If you thought that in the beginning of the round, Villanueva had the better punches and the blood coming from you know Prochnow's face, whatever. Like I could see how you would think that Ike Villanueva won round one. You could also look at it like this: that the blood was just whatever superficial, because when when he came out in round two, there was no more blood on Marcy and Prochnow's face. So it was a pretty much small cut under the eye, whatever. But you could see clearly that Ike Villanueva had an injury pretty much forming his lower leg. The lead leg was not functioning right. He was trying to pretty much pick it up all the time. Even now, he was picking it up or trying to block kicks that were coming from Marcin. And Marcin was hitting his leg, and it was still like, oh, you can see the guy was uncomfortable. Anyway, they come out for round two. Round two starts, and you hear the corner for Marcin Prochnian yell out, southpaw, southpaw, like giving him a directive. He immediately switches stance to southpaw, throws like a body shot that's pretty much a liver shot, hits Ike Villanueva. Ike stands for a second after the shot hits him and then has a delayed response, goes to the ground. He's curling around, obviously complete knockout. So I'm super impressed with what I saw from Marcin uh, Prachniel, like kind of coming back from getting cut, getting a little banged up. For Villanueva, we chose him to win, and I placed a wager on him, so that kind of stinks. But I will say this. He was fighting a good fight. There's a lot of ifs here. If he didn't let himself get hurt in his lower leg, and if he doesn't get hit with that uh, that liver shot, uh, he maybe could win the fight. If if this, if that. Well, look, we were just off. We were off on this. Prochnow really stepped up here, did a good job. Um, there was a moment there. I thought Ike was going to pull it off as a dog here at 170. So didn't get it right. It's uh, back-to-back dogs we were on here that we, we were off on. So moving on to the next fight in the card. All righty. The next fight in the prelims was Warley Alves versus Jeremiah Wells. And oh, boy. I know a lot of people were taking uh, Al- Alves to win this fight. Um, there was a lot of parlaying with Alves. 
because partially Jeremiah Wells was a late replacement fighter and yada, yada, yada. And Alves was already coming in as a favorite in the prior fight he was matched up to win. So I like Alves. I mean, you look at some of his recent fights, man. The dude just looks aggressive. He's in good shape. When we broke this down pre-fight, the issue I had was he's a minus 240 favorite, this really big favorite against a guy who he's pretty strong, has a decent record. We don't know enough about him. You know, he came into this fight, like, not a lot about him. But the word in the street was that he's training. He knows he, his name might get called. He is in, is in shape. He was ready if his name was called. He is strong. He has a good wrestling background. So round one, he comes out. He's more explosive than Alves. He lands a few cleaner shots. Then he gets a wrestling you know, game going, gets a takedown, gets some clinch control, gets some back time, does all that. Also lands a few strikes while he's got control. So round one, I think, goes to Wells. And already right there, I'm pretty sure everyone watching the fight was like, my gosh, okay, here we go. Like, let's go. Now, one point. Wells looked a little bit fatigued at the end of round one, or maybe he was trying to conserve his energy. I'm not sure which one. The announcers were talking about, oh, no, no, he's going to get tired. He's, he's, he's giving everything in every punch, and he was. He was throwing hard. He was throwing big big shots. Whether he was missing or hitting, he was throwing big shots. He was using a lot of energy. He was going for takedowns, was in clinch control, had body locks. All that stuff is kind of true. So in, an, in another world, if this fight goes to three rounds, there is a world where maybe Alves has enough at the end of like round two, three, where... It goes later in the fight, and maybe he's able to start getting the momentum. Maybe he can hurt Wells, but that's not what happens. They come out for round two, and Wells just starches him in an exchange. And, like, he he hurts Alves, but Alves is, like, kind of there, wobbling. And then Jeremiah misses him and kind of, like, regains. And then Alves is kind of falling to the ground. And then Jeremiah just comes in for the pound, like, on the ground. And then Alves is literally just, like, sleep. Like, dude's on the ground just sleep, like, on his side. Like, um... I'm not saying it was a late stoppage, but maybe it could have been stopped a punch or two before in the ideal world. But anyway, Wells kind of a a big, uh, big, um, big, not a huge dog, plus 190. But looking back on the prediction video, I don't think we hit this because like we knew it had a crystal ball. It was more of the reality that a guy who's a minus 240 against someone who's got a decent record, who's not really, there's not really big, any big holes in the game and they're ready to fight. I know it's a replacement. But the replacement fighter coming in also, it affects the fighter who was preparing because Alves has been doing a whole camp, whatever, seven weeks, eight weeks of preparing to fight someone else. And then last minute, he gets a wrestler dude who's a little shorter, who's stocky, who's pretty strong in the clinch. And look, after this fight is over and his camp goes back and everything, I'm sure the first thing they're thinking is like, shit, man, I wish we didn't have this, this late replacement dude because we were preparing for someone else. We were ready for that guy. And we end up fighting a guy who... Hey, maybe Wells knew he had no third round energy in him. And if him and his quarter knew, listen, your only path to victory is go balls to the wall for the first, like, you know, eight minutes or so of the fight, pretty much the first round and a half. Go balls to the wall. Do the best you can. It kind of looked like it. Now, we don't know. Maybe Wells has great conditioning, and maybe in round three he would still be able to push the pace like that. But, yeah, pretty much normal, you know, sports science will tell you that his pace was really high. He was clinching a lot. Um, I'm, sorry, I'm not saying a lot. He was owning the clinch positions, but he was grabbing. He was the one squeezing. This guy's really muscular. You could see his muscles on his back, like, opening and contracting like a like a snake wrapping around someone. So the dude is jacked, and sometimes those jack fighters get tired. So anyway, long story short, uh, kudos to Wells with the win. Comes in here last minute, gets a victory for Alves. Man, bad look. You know, bad look. You had just built some momentum. Minus 240 favorite. If you were parlaying Alves, if you were betting him straight up, man, my apologies. 
I thought this was a situation where possibly even you know a dog or pass would have been appropriate because it was so last minute. But we were on an island with that. We were happy to be on that island. Let's hope the rest of this card keeps going well. Let's move on our way up. Next fight in the prelims, Shavkat Rachmanov versus Michelle Prezeris. This was a very one-sided fight. Shavkat came out. He had his way on his, on his feet, was able to get his jab going. Um, the best thing Michelle did was throw a few leg kicks. Otherwise, Shavkat adjusted, moved out of the way, was better on the feet, then took the fight to the ground. You'd think the shorter Brazilian fighter would have had some type of ground advantage. Absolutely no. Shavkat was the more... Uh, he was in a better position on the ground, threw some strikes on the ground, was more dominant, opened up like minus 250 early in the week, ended up being like a minus 325, 330 on most books. And, um, you know, most everyone was on him. So it wasn't, it wasn't like a unique pick for us or wasn't intelligent for us to be on him. The question became as the fight was closing, how do you want to bet that? And uh, I guess the best, best thing you could have done is put it as a parlay because as a straight up bet, you had to put down $300 to make it hundred bucks. So um he's dominant looks good i don't know how much of a test it was because it was kind of goofy there was a huge huge height disparity and a huge reach disparity so it wasn't like it was a good matchup for michelle prezeris he didn't have much of a chance to win the fight shavkat looks pretty good you know i still don't know how his chin is i still don't know how he'll pan out against someone who's gonna clock him i haven't really seen him get hit hard so he climbs to 14 and 0 looks very good we'll see where he goes from here but you know, pretty much his trajectory is, is straight up. So nice win for him. If you parlayed him, woohoo, you got it. Um, if you bet him straight up, great. I don't. I didn't hear anyone on Michelle Prezeris, so I, I didn't hear anyone on our feed or anyone following us, or I didn't see anybody that we're following or trailing that said, hey, it's a dogger pass. I think every single person was on Shavkat. And again, if you were on him early in the week, you got the best money. You opened up like minus 250 or so. Very dominant win. The last fight of the prelims was a really good fight. Kennedy Ninjuku versus Danilo Marquez. Started off slow in round one. Uh, Danilo Marquez did the proverbial backpack. He was on Ninjuku's back the entire time. Could have been a 10-8 round, even though uh, Danilo didn't throw a lot of punches while he was on Kennedy's back. Kennedy didn't throw like any punches. I think there was a stat in the second round where the announcer said that was the first uh, significant strike from Kennedy. So... Very typical of Kennedy, um, and this is why we were fading him in our prediction show. Like his fighter IQ sometimes is really just, I don't know. Now he ends up getting a TKO finish in the third round. He ends up, and I should say in the second round, he already stunned Danello a little bit. You could see in the second round, he landed a few shots and kind of got Marquez like, okay, got to be careful. Like round one, completely Marquez. If you don't think it's a 10-9 round, could be a 10-8 round. Either way, Marquez win, wins round one. Round two, Marquez does get some position control, but Kennedy gets out of it. And when he gets out of it, he's got some pretty hard strikes, ends up hurting Marquez a little bit. But Marquez may have equaled him in strikes. So round two is kind of like, ah, you could arguably say going into round three that Marquez could have been up two rounds of 10-8 in round one and could have been up a round in, uh, in round two. So it could have been serious a situation where Kennedy had to knock this guy out or he gets the loss. What happens... Kennedy goes to his corner. His coaches give him unbelievable advice and say, listen, when you come out there, just stay busy. Just touch him. Don't put too much into your punches. Don't like overstrike. Just touch him. And then once you see you got him like, you know, his head moving back and he's opening up his guard, then boom, hit him with something powerful. Kennedy Ninjuku comes out, follows exactly his coach's advice, gets in striking distance, lands a few nice jabs. You could see Danilo Marquez is one, maybe possibly having some cardio gas tank issues, but also just not recovered from the prior round where he got clocked a little bit. He wasn't the same fighter as he was in round one. So yeah, Ninjuku finishes the fight. He gets a nice standing KO. Now I will say this, like 
there's probably a lot of people who watched this fight. I was one of them who said that was a little bit of a premature, like, TKO because the referee comes in and calls the fight. At that time, Danello is taking punches, but he's he's blocking them, a lot of them. He is taking some. Some are getting around his guard on the sides and stuff, but he's on his feet. And as soon as the, the ref stops to fight, you see Danilo like immediately like, what? Like, you know, yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking a lot of punches, but like, let me block punches. And this brings me back to the last fight that Kennedy and Njuku fought. If anyone here remembers the Njuku fight, his last fight when he fought um, Olberg, Carlos Olberg, Kennedy Njuku was doing that for like a full minute and a half, taking punches, not returning any fire, just has his guard up, just blocking, blocking, blocking. So I thought the ref blew the whistle on the fight, calling the fight a little too early, especially since it was a close fight. Marquez had one round one, at least let him maybe get dropped. He wasn't even cut. So kind of, yeah, that wasn't, the, that wasn't the greatest. And it got me to thinking. Like, I went downstairs to get a drink, and I thought to myself, you know what? Like, it, you, I have to ask the question, like, are these kind of fights a little bit, like, I don't want to say fixed, but, like, do they want Kennedy Njuku to win? Like, he's the Nigerian fighter. They've got some Nigerian fighters like Nganu and, you know, Usman. This, you know, takes him to 9-1. and one. Big, tall guy, you know. I, not that Marquez is not, you can't sell Marquez. I just felt like... I just feel like it's just weird. Why did you stop that fight so fast? We've seen fighters take a lot more damage than that. We've had commentators and fans. They're like, why didn't you stop it earlier? And then you got a guy like this. Marquez is on his feet, blocking a good deal of the punches. He's still, I mean, on his feet. He's not even wobbling. Like, he is backing up. He is moving across the cage. You know, if you watch the fight, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm not taking anything from Kennedy. I think Kennedy Njoku probably does drop this guy to a knee. Maybe he does finish him. And if, doesn't he, if he doesn't finish him, maybe he wins round three. Maybe he won round two. Maybe he goes to a draw, right? Who knows? Maybe he did need a knockout. But he gets it. Kind of early stoppage. So, yeah, that's the last fight of the prelims. Let's move on to the main First card. fight in the main card, Renato Moicano versus Jay Herbert. And this was a dominating performance by Moicano. Uh, round one, he came out, got some position control, got two or three takedowns, was able to keep the fight in his wheelhouse. Jay Herbert did have nice punches on the feet. He's a striker. He's got nice long reach. He's got some you know, quick striking uh, with his legs and with his hands. He did land a few nice punches, and you saw a window there for how he could possibly win the fight or keep it close. Renato, again, was very smart, got into clinch control, brought brought, Moicon, brought I'm sorry, Herbert down to the ground using like a trip type of maneuver, which he used again and again and again, and for some reason, Jay Herbert just didn't adjust to it. On the ground in the first round, Moicano just had position control, very few strikes, nothing special. Now, round two, Moicano finishes the fight in the ground. It was a submission, but it could have been almost a TKO. He was pounding the heck out of Herbert. He was in a full mount position. Herbert, this is going on for about two minutes in the second round, very dominating the second round. At some point, Herbert just had to give up his back. You know, poor dude, he showed he has a good chin. Because at one point, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, with every strike he was taking on the ground, you're thinking he's about to get TKO. The referee's like almost about to jump in. Um, he took those strikes, but he had to give up his back at some point. And eventually, Renato, which is his wheelhouse submission, right, gets the submission. It was a popular prop bet. For Renato, we don't know if he's got a chin issue still or not yet. Didn't really get into a striking battle here. But to his credit... Maybe he knows he's got to stay away from those type of you know situations. He took the fight to where he's best at on the ground, dominated there, gets the win for Jay Herbert. You know, 0-2 in his first two UFC fights, kind of a rough start. Um, at least he didn't get knocked out. But this was a tough matchup. You know, from the from the giddy, it was gonna be a tough matchup. We knew if the Renato Moicano came out here, the best version of himself, and he doesn't get clipped. Everyone knew that if he did that, he came out. That's why he was like minus 230. You know, as a favorite because. 
people expected him to win the fight. So nice win for Renato Moicano. We'll see what happens here with Jay Herbert. Moving on to the next fight. Nicholas Dalby versus Tim Means. So this was a pretty darn good fight. I'm going to fast forward to the third round. Dalby cracks Tim Means. Means is hurt. Um, but Means regroups and ends up surviving the round. Um, even the post-fight interview, I liked the way Tim Means was just really honest. Some fighters would be like, no, you don't want to tell people if you're hurt or not. But Tim Means acknowledged, like, I was hurt. I got cracked. But he also said at the same time, and he was right. He regrouped. He dealt with it. Showed good fighter IQ. Grabbed the clinch. Held on to Nicholas Dalby as much as possible in the third round. Knowing that probably round one and round two were his rounds. Not only did Tim Means match Nicholas, Nicholas Dalby in the punching or striking in round one and round two. He had a huge advantage in the in the grappling department, position control, takedown department, grappling against the cage, position control against the cage. So round one and round two were safely for Tim Means. In round three, Nicholas Dalby comes out. I guess he knows. Like, listen, I got to do something. He hurts Tim Means. He's got him hurt. And then I don't know if it's a bad decision or so, mu so much Tim Means just was able to outmuscle him. But he allows the fight to get into the clinch again. And at one point when it first happens, he, he hurts he hurts Tim Means. And then Nicholas Dalby comes in and kind of grabs him. And you're like, no, don't do this. Like, you have him at a distance. Keep it at a distance. Like, you know, keep striking him. You got a chance to hurt him. But doesn't finish the job. Loses the fight 29-28. We were on Dalby to win. He was a slight dog. And, man, the dogs are just not barking for us tonight. Uh, just another dog falling that just didn't win. Um but anyway, it was a very close fight. It was it was price right. Means was a minus 155 favorite. Dalby was plus 120 dog. So this one was pretty accurate. If you were on Means to win, hey, he looked good. Like if it's not for that little moment where he gets a little cracked. And honestly, you know, actually, I should rephrase that. It's good that he got cracked. You saw how he dealt with it. It was a good moment to see his fighter IQ is intact. This guy's smart. He knows how to survive. Like some really pluses there. So for Tim Means people or anyone who wagered with him or or thought he was definitely going to win, great selection. He looked good for us. Boo boo. All right. So not a good selection. Dobby loses the fight, and we're moving on to the next fight in the card. The next fight in the main card, we've got Andre Touchy Feely versus Daniel Pineda, and this was a good fight. There was a lot of back and forth. Uh, at one point, uh, Feely. Definitely hurts Pineda in the first round, cuts him above the eye, you know, looks like at some point maybe he can finish him, but he's very patient. He ends up being very patient throughout the fight, which was nice. You saw like a different side of Andre Feely. He was just a little more more mature of a fighter. Um, unfortunately, as the fight's going on, and, and look, Feely's like dominating the first round. He's got the first round. It's over. They come out for round two. The cut man does a good job over the eye for, for Pineda. They come up around to Andre's, you know, again, doing all the right things. And then he gets an accidental eye poke. And Pineda goes over, does the whole thing with the doctor. Doctor's like holding up fingers, covering the good, good eyes, saying, how many fingers do I got up? And all this other nonsense. And you can kind of see that, you know, Pineda's not seeing well or can't see well. And eventually Herb Dean just comes over and calls about. Um, it's unfortunate for both fighters. You know, Pineda... Man, he's showing chin issues. You can see, like, he somehow got through this, but he got kicked in the head with a leg kick that was, woo, split him open right away. Um, Feely looked good. Like, this is the best version of Feely. So you feel bad for him that he ends up leaving here with no contest instead of getting himself a win. Like, he was either going to get a finish and a W that way, uh, maybe a fight of the night kind of bonus type of thing with a finish. You never know. But he was definitely going to win here if he just kept it going at the same pace. So um, for Pineda... I don't know. I, I said pre-fight prediction. We were on uh, Philly, but so was everyone. So that's not like everyone was on Philly pretty much. 
Um, just worried a little bit about his chin, but he did a great job, right? Didn't get hurt, ended up hurting Pineda a few times. But what we said pre-fight was Pineda is starting to show some really telltale signs of just getting to be an older fighter, and he has fought a lot of fights. Like, he came in here at 27 and 14. You know, doesn't take a mathematician to see that's a lot of fights. That's, you know, just almost double the amount of fights as someone like Feely. So, anyway, you know, time's starting to catch up with him. Um, his chin is definitely, definitely an issue. He's getting hurt here. And for Feely, man, just luck of the draw. We wish there was a way they could eliminate the eye poke thing. I mean, there just doesn't seem to be a way. They've talked about the gloves and changing the gloves, but that conversation always leads you back to, like, well, you can't change the gloves to the point where they can't open their hands, right? Because then how can they work in their BJJ and in the clinch and stuff? They've got to be able to open their hands, open their fingers, you know? So um, don't know what the solution is. Unfortunately, here for both fighters, but had the fight gone the distance, I think everyone would agree that Feely would have won. So moving on to the next fight of the night. Bryony Barcelos versus Timur Valiev. And this was a better fight than I think people anticipated. You had a guy get hurt. You had uh, the guys exchanging, you know, strikes, punches. There was some close rounds. Ultimately, it comes down to uh, a majority decision win. So one judge had it 28-28. And then I guess two other judges had 29-28 for uh, Valiev. I do, I do think Valiev won. He landed the more shots. He was busier. Leg strikes, punching, the whole deal. Uh, Barcelos had maybe the harder strikes. And then in second round, Barcelos did hurt Valiev. He had Valiev hurt. Um, at one point, you're wondering, are you going to stop the fight? It, it got to that point. It was close. It, you know, the referee was getting in there. But Valiev survives it, ends up being able to hold and pull uh, Rowney into his guard to end the second round. And at that point, Rowney was pretty tired, too. But when the third round came out, Rowney was just looking for the kill shot. He was just standing there looking maybe one punch at a time, two punches here and there. Whereas Timur Valiev was throwing like four or five co combination punches. So... He wins pretty much by technicality by just landing more punches. If the fight maybe goes longer, could Rione have maybe hurt him? I don't know, but he needed to be busier. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so the fight was close. It ends up being a decision for Timur Valiev. From a wagering standpoint, this was a pretty big crash and burn. I'm, I don't want to rub it in if you lost a parlay on this, but I'm going to imagine that a lot of people were parlaying uh, Barcelos. I, I had him in some parlays, so I, I could tell you I did. I even said in our prediction show that if I'm going to wager in this fight, I would use Barcelos as a parlay piece and not bet him straight up because it's just kind of too juicy at that minus 235, right? So with all that said, I, I feel terrible if you did lose some coin on this and you did go ahead and uh, you know parlay him. I'll say I'm shocked. Looking back across all my notes and across all the handicappers that I follow, Everyone was on Rione Barcelos, and no one even gave Team Revalia the time of day. So, you know, I didn't look into this fight fully. I should have. I mentioned that in the pre-show pre or it's the prediction show, and that was completely on me. That was irresponsible on my part, but I did mention it. I said, listen, I haven't done full research on this because I didn't have the time this week with all the different schedules and PFL, Bellator. But anyway, long story short, Team Revalia comes in here. Underdog comes in at... Uh, what was he at? Uh, he came in here at uh, plus 175. Yeah, so... Gosh, I don't know anyone who was on him, but if you were, the Russian fighter comes in here. Shows once again, these Russian fighters, you know, durable, can take a punch. Dude got hurt. <laughs> Clearly got hurt at one point. Um, but kudos to the referee allowing the fight to continue. Valiev was able to recover. For Barcelos, I hate to say it, but it's, it's completely in his hands why he lost the fight. He should have pushed the pace, thrown more punches. He did push the pace. He, did, he was pushing Valiev back for most of the fight, but just had to be busier, had to throw more punches, more leg kicks, you know, just needed to do that from the beginning. You know, got to a slow start, lost round one because of that. 
round two, he was dominating. Hurt hurt Aliyev a lot, but Valiev a lot, I mean, but you know, round three just was too slow, waiting, prodding, just looking for the perfect punch. So anyway, nice win from Valiev. We'll see what happens from here. In the post fight uh interview, he was pretty like outspoken, calling out people, talking about put me top fifteen. You know, I've won three fights in a row at three different weight classes, which I didn't know. That's pretty impressive. Um so he's doing his whole call out, whatever, Russian fighter. He sounds so much like Khabib and he is Russian fighter speaks Russian as his native language, but like sounded so much like Khabib. Like he started off with like, listen guys, like, you know, he just has that whole twang. So anyway, good fight for him for Barcelos, man. I, I can't say again, so many people were hyping him up 16 and one coming into this fight, false 16 and two. He's totally fine. Um, the only issue is 34. So it's like really can't afford these type of losses at this point. If you want to make that push. 34 years old, this definitely sets him back here. Hopefully they get him back on a card soon. Didn't take a lot of damage. Neither fighter did, actually. But um, overall, decent fight for Valiev. We were wrong on this one. We should have been on Barcelos. Is what it is, right? It's MMA. The co-main event of the night was Tanner the Bulldozer Bozer versus Ovin St. Prue. And I was wrong on this one. Tanner Bozer flips the script and now gets back in the W column. I got to say, came out looking super-duper focused, busy, was throwing a lot more of everything. Um, Ovince St. Prue, who I guess is known for being a slow starter or likes to be calm and chill, um, he was like he just woke up from a nap. He was barely moving. He was like just taking leg kicks. He was basically like just a moving, slightly moving punching bag for Tanner Bozier. So in round one, Tanner Bozier just dominates the striking game. Uh, St. Prue doesn't do anything. No one really gets hurt. It's pretty much a one-sided first round match. You could argue maybe 10-8 because I mean, St. Prue did not do anything, barely threw anything. Uh, round two, they come out. There's a little skirmish. There's a little ground action. At some point, St. Prue's on top. You know, Tanner reverses. They get back to their feet. And Tanner with the volume, striking, kicking, punching, bam, catches St. Prue with a knee, puts St. Prue down, gets on top of him, starts hitting it with some, you know, just some big hands, big, you know, big punches. And referee comes in and calls it. So, for Tanner Bozer, he spoke uh, in the post-fight interview. Like, you know, he needed this win. Like, he, he believes he still won that fight over Latifi. He talked about that. I don't know. That's here nor there. He should have gotten his ass off his back in the last round of that fight. But in this fight, when he was in the ground, he quickly worked his way up to his feet. Maybe he learned a little bit. Now, there was a moment there where there was some kind of, like, I don't know, controversy about, oh, he grabbed the cage and whatever. Um, and the referee does come over and kind of hit, hit his hand as he's trying to, you know, get some type of traction against the cage, and he's trying to get up from a takedown or, or from a bottom position from St. Prue. But when you look at the replay, they, they played it back again and again. It doesn't appear that Tanner really got his fingers interlocked at all with the cage. So, you know, those of you who are like, oh, he should have been penalized right there. Um, I think at the least what should have happened is the referee maybe should have brought him back down and on his back instead of allowing him that, like, half position that he was coming up out of. But listen, that doesn't explain the fact that when they get on their feet, Tanner Bozer strikes like lightning, kicks Santa Prue, kicks, kicks I called him Santa Prue. He kicks St. Prue, hits him with a hard knee. For all those Canadian brothers out there who were rooting for Tanner Bozer, who looking for the final get the win column, here it is. Now, this is going to sound mean, if you, and if you were on Tanner, I'm just saying I'm, I'm going to need more than this. I'm going to need more than him beating some old dude um, who has, you know, kind of haven't done much, and he's coming in here. You know, fighting Tanner, and Tanner's a late replacement, and Tanner should be in shape. He's a younger fighter, and I think the UFC's pushing to get him in there. 
not to be a contender. I made that clear before. He could just be some good meat for some other contenders along the way. Um, he's athletic, poses a different look. But anyway, um, good for Tanner Bozier. Gets a finish here. And, man, this has been a rough card. We got one more here left on the card. Let's hope it goes our way because this has been probably the worst card we've had so far in the last four to six weeks. We're going to finish upside down here for sure in terms of our win-loss picks for tonight. But it is what it is. Congrats to Tanner Bozer. I'm kind of glad he proved me wrong. Guy seems like, you know, he's on a mission, and, and I got nothing against the dude. You know, he needs to just apply himself fully. Hopefully he gets some more wins, and we'll see what they do with him next. When they asked him after the fight if you want to fight again soon, he was like, yeah, just need a full camp, but I'll be ready to go. So we'll see him soon. Again. The main event was Cyril Gaon versus Alexander Volkov. And if you were looking forward to a really exciting heavyweight bout where there was maybe some blood and guys were getting hurt and like some drama back and forth, absolutely not the fight you wanted to look at. You know, at some pl some place around round three, when it was like the same thing every single round where Cyril Gaon was just throwing more punches, throwing more leg kicks, a little crisper, just landing a few more shots than Volkov. It dawned upon me, like, this is a really boring matchup, and I question where both these guys are going to go in terms of their long-term, let's say, championship caliber, you know? Are they championship caliber one day? Um, for Cyril Gaunt, I guess he just wins the way he has to win. He gets a decision. He's, he's busier. But I just felt like I've seen fighters at much lower weight divisions who had, like, more cojones, right? Like, more balls. Like, push the pace. Like, go out there. Look. At one point, Alexander Volkov was down maybe three rounds to nothing. The judges had him, like, losing, like, five rounds to nothing. I think two of the judges did. So, it wasn't even close. And he didn't push the pace. And he didn't look to get his hands dirty. You know, Cyril Gaon just did what he had to do. Didn't. No one got hurt. There was a little bit of some damage on uh, Alexander Volkov's face. And again, look, I don't want to be super critical of Cyril Gaon. He got the decision when a lot of people thought that's how he would win because... His last fight versus Rosenstrike, right? He was just very cautious, but still got the points, whatever got the win. I don't know this is much different. Like, at one point during the broadcast, they were saying, you know, he's. I like that he's pushing the pace more. He's being more aggressive this fight than he was against Rosenstrike. Yeah, he was, but, like, this much more aggressive. So, um, yeah, Cyril Gaon goes to 9-0, and and he's still an exciting prospect. You know, throughout the week, at one point, I thought, hey, could Volkov come in? volume, you know, hit him with a bunch of strikes, maybe sting him because we haven't seen Cyril Gaon get hurt. So you still don't know what that looks like, if that, you know, how that's going to happen. Could somebody catch him? Every dog has their day, right? But Volkov just came in and threw less strikes, less everything, just didn't match the intensity. And it showed, look, Cyril Gaon is clearly a better prospect right now. Um, and they're both about the same age. So even though Volkov has like 41 fights under his belt, and Cyril Gaon has only 8 or 9 fights under his belt. They're 31 and 32 respectively, so right now they're pretty much at the same stages of their, I guess obviously of their life, but Cyril Gaon has a little bit less experience. The one reason that people were on the side of Volkov this week, if you recall, just a reminder, was the experience factor. And that was the one reason I took a little bit of pause when betting you know, heavily on Cyril Gaon was that, listen, Volkov got the experience, the experience, the experience. Well, had that experience way out tonight. He lost every damn round. So good for Cyril Gaon. He moves his way up here as a prospect. Um, we'll see what he gives him next. You know, I, I do want to see a little more from him. Heck, I want to see him get into a fight where, like, he's swinging, someone's bleeding, like, you know, something exciting. So All right, just going to go over a quick summary of UFC Vegas, how we did, where our predictions were. I can tell you it was not a good showing for us here at MMA Fight Club. We fell below the 500 mark in terms of win-loss picks. I guess we stuck our neck out there in a few picks that we shouldn't have. We went a little dog happy. Didn't work out for us. But anyway, here's where we finished up at. We finished up with an overall 
six wins properly selected and seven not properly selected. Let me give you the ones we got wrong first, and then we'll go over the ones we got correct. Uh, in the heavyweight division, Bowser versus St. Pru. I was doubting same. I was doubting Bowser. I mean, Bowser pulls off a win, nice knockout. We were on Pru, so we got that one wrong. Barcelos, my gosh, who'd have seen Valiev coming in here, being durable Russian, look good, got the win. We got that wrong. We were on Barcelos. Uh, Touchy Feely versus Pineda. Feely looked great tonight. Was dominant. Just really beat uh, Pineda every which way in the fight. Nice win for him. We were on him. Uh, Means versus Dobby. Man, Means has got a chin. Look good. He gets a W. We were on Dobby. That was wrong of us. Dobby got the L there. Uh, uh, Moicano versus Herbert. Man, Moicano was dominant. Looked really good in that fight. It was the best version of him. Minus 250. We were on him. He got the dub. That wasn't, again, uh, you know, a rocket science selection there. Th that A lot of people were, were on that selection there. So, all right, moving down to the prelims. The main event in the prelims. That was exciting. Ninjuku comes back, wins a fight there against Marquez. He loses the first round, but comes back late in the third round, gets a knockout, gets the win. We were on Marquez, so early on looked great, but we got the L there. I was back and forth with that one, so unfortunately we just fell on the wrong side there. That was a pick em fight. Uh, Rachmanov versus Prezeris. Rachmanov, dominant win, beat him every which way, finished the fight. Very easy win for him. Rachmanov looked great there. He was a strong favorite, did his job. Uh, Alves versus Wells. We were on Wells as a dogger pass. We talked about it in the, in the prediction show. So this was a nice pickup to a really rough card. He was a plus 187. Um, a lot of people were on, well, on Alves. I thought the late selection, I mean the late replacement fight for Wells coming in here was actually favoring him and not so much Alves who had prepared for this fight. So anyway, we were on the dog there. Nice win there with the dog. Then moving on down to Prachino versus Villanueva. Oh, man, we, we, we liked Villanueva, and he just took some body shots. Didn't look good. Eventually took like a kidney shot. was over Prachino. Good for him. He was bloody in the first round. Came back. Won the fight. He was minus 215 favorite. We were on Villanueva as, as a plus 170. Got that one wrong. Um, Al Avila versus Storlenko. We took a shot in the dark here as a dogger pass on Storlenko. And there were a few moments in that, that fight where I was feeling pretty good about that pick. Avila overall... Comes out as a dominant fighter. Gets a finish there in the third round uh, by submission. But it was a good fight overall. Definitely got some bonus points there when I'm looking at Storylenko moving forward. She's a tough fighter. She's good. She's, you know, she's, she's, she's a big girl. She's pretty athletic. She can take some punishment. So it wasn't a terrible loss for her. When you look at the fact that Avila was minus 335 going into that fight, that's probably was a little bit too juicy when you look at the way the fight actually was panning out for most of it. Of course, at some point, Avila hits a throttle, gets a submission, it's over. All right. Second fight of the night was Rosa versus John Janes or Johns. This was the guy, man. Poor dude. This was the guy. If you've been following throughout the week, they were talking about how he placed a you know twenty five thousand dollar wager on himself, betting on himself for the fight, which is pretty much his entire purse. And blase blase this and blase blase that. And so obviously he came in super confident he's going to win. I'll tell you for the first like little bit of the I say first you know first. Uh, Half of the first round, like it, it looked like he was going to do it. So that was crazy how this one worked out. You know, I, I thought for a second he was going to upset the show, but he doesn't do it. Rosa gets the win by decision. Super duper happy with that one because Rosa was a favorite pick by a lot of people. So win there with a one negative one sixty-seven was his uh was his number coming in. So he was the favorite to win slightly. All right, first fight of the night was Hadzabek versus Medieros, and we were on Medieros. Man, I was back and forth with that one. I remember going back and forth in my prediction before we published the prediction show. I was so tight. And once the fight got started, you know, it was really back and forth. It was close. At one point, Miedos had, had Zavik uh, hurt a little bit. But had Zavik, you know, survives the third round, almost gets submitted. And so that wraps us up. We ended up going with five wins and seven losses. Boo, not, not good at all. Um, you know, a few prop bets, they were there. A few of them hit. But, look, I'm not going to waste your time. This is a... 
bad overall card. We got to get better. We're moving on to next week. We're moving on to Cincinnati, as Bilicek likes to say. So I hope some of the advice we gave you, maybe we gave you some PFL advice or, or Bellator advice this week, which was better because PFL and Bellator combined, we went 14 and 6. Um, and here we go into the UFC, which is the main focus of the whole week. And we shit the bed going 5 and 7 on win loss predictions. So is what it is got to regroup you know back to the you know back to the drawing board as i say i uh, hope you guys did well hope you guys didn't expose yourself too much if you did have some losses and if you did have some wins man better you than us for this week right so we're on to the next one thank you for listening don't forget if you're coming by for the first time and you're not subscribed click the subscribe button that way you can get more of our videos get some of the updates about what we're doing what else we're recording we do pfl bellator and ufc we do a prediction show for each of those events and we also do a post game a recap show just like this for the one each of those events as well so please subscribe please like this channel um if you have some comments suggestions anything we could do better or anything you just want to comment on or whatever we'll give you feedback whenever we can so post a comment on the channel on the page we appreciate you very much and best of luck on the next event take care